What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of Fantasy Football Today. We are talking about the top six wide receivers for 2023. They look a lot like the top six wide receivers at the end of 2022. Not exactly 100% the same, but... I don't know. Does it bother you guys that like you think about our running back rankings and it's definitely different than what the standings look like. You think about our quarterback rankings for 2023. You know, some of us have Trevor Lawrence in the top six or Justin Justin Herbert didn't even come close to finishing that high. Justin Fields, Jamie wide receiver. It's just like uh, wash, rinse, repeat with the exception of Cooper Cup, it seems. You know, it's uh, the thing that's that's good about it is with all the guys that change teams you know, and, and still had successful seasons with Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams obviously being the top two and A.J. Brown staying healthy and having a big season. But, you know, with, with Hill and Adams, you know, there was a lot of questions. Obviously, you know, going from the quarterbacks that they left to the quarterbacks that they went to and for them to have the success that they had is pretty exciting, you know. So we'll see what happens in year two. Obviously, Derek Carr is leaving the Raiders, so uh, Devontae Adams is going to have a new quarterback. But, you know, to, to see that those guys and their games carried over uh, and in some cases, you know, Tyreek Hill, you know, most most yards he's ever had. Uh, Devontae Adams still as dominant as ever. You know, that that they were that that good is, is, is pretty comforting and exciting. And Dave, I actually, I forgot Jamar Chase because he missed four games too. But if you look at the top six, for me anyway, I think we probably all have the same top six. They are the top six finishers per game in some order, okay, in full PPR. So it was Cup per game. It was Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams. Is that your top six in, in a different order? And it's in a different order, and it, it's not as easy as saying, well, we're just going to take the top six guys and just rinse, wash, repeat. But I, I, I do feel like they carry safety on top of everything else that we know about them. They are high-volume wide receiver ones for their fantasy for their NFL teams and thus for our fantasy teams, potential to score tons of touchdowns. I don't think we should try and split the atom here yeah. and, and try and make the case for why, you know, Can one of these the amazing. Atom, well, Two atoms I don't, I don't want to split the atom <laughs> or the atom. One is messy and the other one is way beyond my mental capacity. Yeah, uh, but I agree. I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to put like one of these second year receivers in my top six. I've already got one in my top 12. That was a big step. So I, I just, I, I think it's just the mindset that I'm going to have going into the drafts as of now, is that there are six wide receivers that are absolute studs. Would love to have one or two of them on my team if I can pull it off. Yeah, so again, the wide receivers we'll be talking most about are the ones who finish top six per game. Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams. Who would be the net? Who could crack that uh, that group, Jamie? Um, Who can crack that group? Tyler Boyd. I mean, Lamb is seven for... Me and you, uh, Brown, AJ Brown is seven for Dave, and Lamb is eight. You know, Lamb 
could definitely. If, if I think Lamb is, is is a good choice. Um, I do think it's interesting that in the last ten games, including the playoffs, Devontae Smith has been better and got more targets than AJ Brown. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. By twenty PPR points, by the way. Um, so I think Lamb is probably the best candidate to do it. You know, I I I could see you know if Hopkins is in the right situation, even at his age, you know, if he gets to a, a, a team or the Cardinals find the right, you know, system for him. Uh, not that the system has been bad for him, but I guess it's probably a bad thing. So if he goes to a different team, he gets traded or Kyler's healthy, you know, he could be in that conversation too. And Dave, you mentioned the second year wide receivers. What about one of them? What about Amonra St. Brown? You know, who else could get, uh, could get in there? CeeDee Lamb averaged 17.7 PPR points per game last year. In Garrett Wilson's games without Zach Wilson, doesn't matter if it's Mike White, Joe Flacco, Joe Namath, whoever, he averaged 17.3 PPR points per game. And now there are rumors starting to build that they're going to get Aaron Rodgers. I would love that. That would be amazing for Garrett Wilson. He's the second-year wide receiver that I would draft as a top 12 wide receiver, top 10 actually. But I think he's got the best chance to crack that top six. There will be a ton of excitement if he gets the best quarterback upgrade this offseason. Just doing some math right now. I think this is right. CeeDee Lamb averaged, you said 17.7, right? So that made him... That's what I've got him at. Yeah, yep. that is right. Wide receiver seven per game. But in just the games that he played with Dak Prescott, well, not including week one, sorry. So when Dak Prescott came back from the injury, 19.2. That would have been wide receiver, also wide receiver seven, but, but a point yeah. and a half more than... Wide receiver than the current wide receiver seven, which is Lamb and AJ Brown at seven. What was that number? I'm going to put it in my notes. 19.2 since Dak Prescott returned. That was through the end of the regular season. Didn't count two very good playoff games. And for reference, Stefan Diggs was 19.8. Devontae Adams was 19.7. So Lamb with Dak. Now that's dragged down by a horrible week one. But with Dak, he was, you know, he was pretty close to this to this group here. Um, all right, let me ask you another question about this group. What was uh, a tough call? Did you have a tough call within the group? Maybe it was who to put at number one or number two or something like that. Uh, anybody have a tough call that they had to make within this group of six? I think the fourth wide receiver is a tough call. You've got some great candidates with Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams. I think if you're judging it solely based on who their quarterback is going to be, it's easiest to just go with Diggs because you know it's going to be Josh Allen. We think it's going to be Tua in Miami. How long that lasts with Tyreek Hill, that remains to be seen. He was still pretty good without Tua, but you'd want him to have a, a steady quarterback all year long. And we have no clue who Devontae Adams' quarterback is going to end up being in Las Vegas this coming year. I ranked it Tyreek Diggs Adams. Those three are my four, five, and six. I wouldn't fault anybody for having Devontae fourth or Diggs fourth. Uh, that order of the next three, I think that's a half tier down from the first three. How about you, Jamie? No, no real struggles. I, I think Dave hit it. You know, the, the quarterback concerns for, for Miami and, and for uh, the Raiders are, are certainly relevant. You know, so it, if, if there is no Tua, you got to be a little bit concerned because we did see Tyreek struggle at the end of the season with Skylar Thompson. I would hope there's something better than that if Tua is not ready to go. And then obviously whatever the Raiders decide to do. Um, but I, I think Devontae Adams, again, has, has shown that He's almost quarterback proof at this point, unless it's a, a rookie or somebody that's an absolute disaster. So I can't imagine the Raiders doing that. It's amazing that Justin Jefferson finishes the number one receiver in fantasy with only eight touchdowns. On a, well, actually, he had nine because he had a rushing touchdown, but eight touchdowns on 184 targets receiving. He had over 1,800 yards and only scored eight touchdowns. I mean, to think if he had had a 12 touchdown season or something like that, or if he had had a 15, there's no reason why he couldn't have had a 15 touchdown season. Seen players like that with getting that many targets have that kind of season. Just imagine how much better he would have been. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, more on that in a moment here. Um, let's. Who's got the most bust potential? That's my last question for you. And then I'll tell you about an awesome new podcast that I listened to last week that you need to start listening to. But who's got the most bust potential in the top six? I would say it's Adams. You know, just because again, quarterback not knowing who it is, and and he's getting obviously up in age. Um. Tyreek, I guess same same thing. You know, these guys aren't getting younger. And and, and for Hill, you know, if, if he loses a step with his speed, you got to be really concerned because of his size. You know, so um, those would be the two for me. Diggs probably also he's in the, in that age range as well. 
Diggs is in the age range, but Cooper Cup's the oldest of them all. He's 30, and his quarterback is 38. Double checking. No, 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 no. 35. Sorry, Matt, you didn't mean <laughs> to oversell your age. Uh, the fact that they're old, um, that's kind of a concern. The offensive line, I need to see that rebuilt in L.A. But we know that McVay is going to be there. That's a good thing. That's That gave me the confidence to put Cooper Cup at number two. Okay. Um, let me tell you about with the first pick. I did take a listen to it last week. Got very acquainted with some of the draft prospects. It was awesome. They did a mock draft uh, with uh, four of them. And so it was Ryan Wilson and Rick Spielman. They're on all of the shows, and he brought on two other CBS draft dudes and learned a lot about the prospects. And, you know, it was really cool to, to hear a mock draft go down. So check it out. It's called With the First Pick. It's Ryan Wilson hosting it. Rick Spielman, the former general manager of the Vikings, is is on it. And uh, he'll bring in they'll bring in a cast of characters to help you learn about, you know, all these players, the strengths, the weaknesses, C.J. Stroud versus Will Levis, for example, um, the best defensive players, all these great things. With the first pick, wherever you listen to podcasts, check it out. Okay, so with a little help from my buddy Thomas Schaefer, we have the Azer Stat wide receiver standings, okay? What the heck are these? Nobody knows. Well, here's what they are. Taking my, my favorite sample sizes from all of these players and figuring out, based on those fantasy points, um, who is number one. So, okay, how about Cooper Cup? Score, Cooper Cup in eight games with Matthew Stafford, his 17-game pace would have been 403, well, I'll just round up, 404 fantasy points, okay? That would have been number one. Azer stat sample size number two, Stefan Diggs with Josh Allen before the elbow injury. He scored 400 fantasy points per 17 games. Number three in the Azer stat standings is Justin Jefferson, and it was just his full season, 365 PPR fantasy points. Don't have time on that one, huh? Way, be, yeah, way behind. So Cup at 404, Diggs at 400, Jefferson at 365. Number four in the Azer stat standings, Tyreek Hill. I thought he'd be higher. Tyreek Hill um, with 12 games with a healthy Tua. Uh, you know, Almost 1,800 yards, 10 touchdowns. I thought he'd be higher. He's twelve. He's uh, 10 points basically behind Justin Jefferson. Number five is Jamar Chase. And that would be in eight games that he played without T. Higgins leaving with an injury. <laughs> uh, and then number six is Devontae Adams. Six games with both Darren Waller and Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Way behind 270 fantasy points, 271 fantasy points. Number one was Cooper Cup at 404. Uh, Devontae Adams did a lot of his damage without Renfro and Waller on the field. Um, but anyway, Cup with Stafford is the easiest case to make, right? Like Cup, Cup was horrible in the one game with John Walford. But the eight games with Stafford, he was much better than everyone. Uh, Diggs with, with Allen, first eight games of the season with, before Allen's elbow injury, hundred on pace for 128 catches, um, that's the same as Jefferson. 1,821 yards. That's 12 more yards than Jefferson. 15 touchdowns compared to the eight for Jefferson. Actually, like I said, nine for Jefferson because he had a rushing touchdown. But, I mean, I don't know. What do you make of that? Stefan Diggs, before the Josh Allen elbow injury, was uh, was as good as anyone. Was a bit, almost as good as Cooper Cup per game and was better than Jefferson significantly because he scored a lot more touchdowns. I don't think it's that surprising. We've known that he's been an awesome target for Josh Allen for as long as he's been in Buffalo. So 15 touchdowns is a lot. That that one opens my eyes a little bit. That, but that one this that, is why these guys are top five fantasy wide receivers. Wasn't that the issue for him in year two last year with Josh Allen? He didn't score touchdowns. Yeah. And and the, and the other thing is Josh Allen in those games, those eight games before the elbow injury, he was having a much better season than anything we had ever seen from Josh Allen. He was also, on pace for 5,100 uh, yards. He'd never come close to that. You also uh, Azer statted that without taking out the game Gabe Davis missed. I mean, Gabe, one, I, that's yeah. true, but... The one Stephon Diggs went absolutely nuclear. Did he? The Tennessee game. Yep. Oh, that well, yeah, but but they only played three quarters in that game, so <laughs> well, know. there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, no, that's that's. I, w- I wonder if that's the most if that's the most downfield production Stephon Diggs had all year. I mean, I could certainly look at that, the route depth and all that stuff. Mm, you're right. I think I'm gonna have to rerun those numbers. 
Um, okay. <laughs> uh, but it still doesn't daddy. take well, away from Diggs being an amazing receiver. Right. No, no it doesn't. But, it's but just, the, you know, again, it's it's like the, the, the Joe Mixon Carolina game. Like, it's just a little bit of an outlier for a great player. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, um, and Tyreek with I Tua, think, though. What about what do you think about Tyreek with Tua? Because no, he was I, I, amazing. I th- that, that's, that one stood out to me, and, and the Devontae Adams number stood out to me. And, and yep. the Adams one is there's a report that the Raiders might be con- considering a complete overhaul. Um, and th- I think as part of that, the, the, the note was teams are monitoring Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and if they'll be available. And so that could clearly you know change some things. Obviously, there's going to be players still there. Um, and I do think the 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 one quarterback that makes a lot of sense based on rumors is Tom Brady going there, and is Brady going there with Gronk? And so if Brady and Gronk go there, is Gronk just going to take Darren Waller's spot if Waller's moved? You know, so it's it's kind of a wash in in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but in any event, yes, Tyree Kill clearly is uh, it, it was great with Tua. I mean, I I think that was you know pretty clear. You know, so you say is you thought he'd be better? <laughs> He's, no, I thought he would. I thought he would rank higher. I thought he would rank higher in these standings right. based on 119 right. catches, 1,768 yards, 10 touchdowns. That was his pace in 12 games. Did you factor his rushing too? He didn't do much of that, I don't think. Um, it, maybe not in those games anyway. But no, I did. What not. about when the Dolphins' line was at its healthiest point? I'm not getting into that. I'm just doing the Tua stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean they they were they were significantly better when Austin Jackson was there, which you know I I think we might have overlooked a little bit. Because a left-handed quarterback losing his right tackle is pretty significant. Yeah, he only had like 40 rushing yards or something on the year. Um, that Tyreek Hill we're talking about. The Devontae Adams thing, the six games he played with both Waller and Renfro, he was on pace for 176 targets. So that's the encouraging thing, right? It's He just, for some reason, he just didn't do that well in those games. But he still was averaging more than 10 targets per game. Uh, you know, so it's probably a little bit fluky there. He just he had that that stretch mid to late season where he was unfreaking believable, and those guys were out for those games. Um, all right. So without uh, any further ado, let's go through the rankings here. And does everybody have Justin Jefferson one? Yes. Yes. Anything you want to get into? Why you kept him one? You know, when when Cup was better. Does everybody have Cup two? By the way, I do. Uh, I, I did not initially, but that was just waiting to see what Stafford and McVay were going to do when we, when we released our rankings, but yes, he will be too now. Um, I, I think for me, Jefferson has just been so tried and true in four seasons or three seasons, you know, now in year four, just Kevin O'Connell's system, you know, we, we thought it was going to unleash him a little bit and it did. Um, cousins has certainly, you know, played well enough, uh, to, to show that he can support the best receiver in the world. Um, and I, I, you know, he's just continuing to add to his game, you know, so his, his route tree has developed his, his ability to, you know, get open and, and, and to escape, you know, the double and, and, and to prove that he is that guy. And so I think year two in the system will, will be even better. I think hopefully the touchdowns will spike a little bit. So he's, he's just not the number one receiver. He's the number one player in fantasy, you know, so he's the number one wide receiver and the number one player to draft in full and half PPR. Okay, and Dave, Dave and Jamie both have Chase third. So is there? It's just Jefferson Cup Chase. Yes, that's how I have it. Okay, do we all have the same top six? Jefferson Cup Chase Hill Diggs Adams. That's my top six. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh wow. Um, how about we talk about uh, about Jamar? Well, uh, can Ch- we just can we just make a point here that it's not like we all get together. And talk about players before we do our rankings. No, but this position is so obvious, though. And that, I know, but I just want to make sure that people don't think that we're group thinking here and that we did this organically. I mean, it does feel obvious. However, it's interesting to rank Cup second when it feels like the, I don't know, it doesn't feel like things are great for the Rams right now. And I, what I like about Cup was he was that good and Stafford stunk last year. I would say things are actually very good for the Rams right now. Imagine if they yeah. didn't have McVay and Stafford coming back. That'd be an absolute disaster. But still, even with those with guys, they, they were still bad. I mean, they still were not. I don't know if they were bad, but they were not good with uh, with with those with Stafford healthy this year. You know, he had a bad season, uh, and the it line is. sucks. Yeah, but you know what? Though at the end of the year, they they got some semblance of continuity. I think it was like. I don't think it happened week 18, but I think week 15, 16, 17, there was some two-game, three-game stretch in there where they had the same group. 
And that's when Akers was 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 doing his thing. I, I'm actually curious to see how this is going to work if the run game is actually success, successful because, you know, they they won the Super Bowl really with the lack of a, a consistent run game. You know, Sony Michelle had some good moments. Obviously, Akers did a little bit in the in the playoffs, but it wasn't exactly like he was you know averaging five yards per carry. It was you know struggling. But this this run game took off at the end of the season. You know, and and can that maybe impact? how they throw the ball and maybe what they do throw in the ball. You know, McVay is going to have to retool his offense a little bit. And, and the second receiver is going to be important to see what they, what they do. If it's still Allen Robinson, which would be terrible, but you know, did they find something in, in maybe Tutu Atwell or Ben Skoranek or, you know, somebody else to step up and, and, and help there. Van Jefferson is, is, is there another player coming in? So I, I think the thing that you bank on with cup is the rapport, the breakfast, everything that those guys do together. You know, I mean that they, they've been, fairly consistent over, you know, for the most part, a two-year stretch when you factor in how many postseason games they play together. You know, so it, it, it should be something that you could feel comfortable buying into with those two guys, even though Stafford, uh, as Dave has aged him to 65 years old, um, <laughs> that, you know, they, they still have that. If, as long as he's healthy, I think, you know, with, with everybody back, I'll, I'll trust in McVay and, and those two guys still producing at a high level. Yeah, so Cup, Cup was not as good as he was in 2021, but... He still was the number one wide receiver per game. That included one game where he left with an injury and played with John Walford and was terrible. But if you look at Stafford, just to keep things simple, you know, I won't get it. He he was per 17 game pace just with his eight games with Cooper Cup, right? He was about 800 yards worse than he was in 2021. And he was on pace for 17 touchdowns compared to 41 the year before. So Cup was that good. With a major downgrade at quarterback, pretty incredible. Bring back Robert Woods. Yeah, I, uh, bring back um, your yeah. left tackle. Um, all right, so Chase had a very interesting year. He went from 18 yards per catch in 2021 to 12 yards per catch in 2022. He went from six plays of 50 or more yards in 2021, with five of them being touchdowns, to one play of forty-one, one play of more than forty-one yards in twenty twenty-two, um, but he became a touchdown machine. He dominated the team in red zone and green zone targets despite missing four games. So um, that was interesting. They did not throw the ball downfield much on average. They changed a lot offensively. And Dave, what do you make of that little metamorphosis for the Bengals' offense and for Jamar Chase? I think they were taking what the defense was giving them and they just did not want to get beat deep. And so Chase was shortening his routes and he's, he's going to be good no matter what he does, but that helped them move the chains. And then he's just so good in the red zone as, as we've seen. Uh, I think it's interesting that he had one game with 13 or 14 PPR points, one with 15 or 16, one with 17 to 19, one with 20 to 24. And then his other games with 15 plus PPR were 25 plus. So, and I think that's kind of a common trend that we'll see from all the elite wide receivers. Certainly with Cooper Cup, who is that way. But a lot of top-heavy production where if they're not getting you huge games, they're usually going to be somewhere between okay and uh-oh. And you could see that from Chase in his first five games of this year. Week one, he was a monster. The four games after that, he was terrible. Did anybody panic? No. Did anybody bench him? Also no. The two games after that, he was the number one receiver in week six and seven. So maybe he's a little more flighty than other wide receivers, but just that that top-end potential and knowing that he can beat defenses either going over the top or by just racking up targets in short area. Number one in targets per game among all wide receivers last year. Yeah, Chase deserves to be a top three wide receiver. That's so surprising with the presence of T. Higgins that Jamar Chase was the number one wide receiver in targets per game. Um, that's wild to me. I, I he was thirty-seven. How good he is, you know, and it's no slight to T. Higgins, but you know, there's there's obviously a, a a talent difference to whatever degree you want to put on it. And now he's entering year three, and you know that's where the the maturation process, you know, is is starting to get complete, and the route tree understanding is starting to get complete, and all those things, you know. So you're taking an elite level prospect who's done this through two years, and now mm-hmm. it's okay. The thing that that NFL players always tell you, and and coaches and personnel people always tell you. Rookie year is a, a circus. You know, you go through the draft process, you go through finding a house, you go through, or, or finding a place to live, you go through all those things in your first off season. Your real first off season is really year one to year two, and then it's how do you take that 
schedule everything that you did, that process, and go from year two to year three. And that's why we always talk about third-year receivers. So it's not necessarily that their stats might get better. Their understanding of the game is better. Their understanding of their quarterback is better. If you're in the same system, that's even better. You know, so he's got all those things going. He checks every box. You know, and so it's it's he may not have a statistical explosion in year three, but my God, if he does, hello, you know, we, we might be under. Be better him. than Cooper Cup last year. Uh, he would per game. If yeah, if he if he has the explosion, look, Justin Jefferson just finished his third year, and he had his best year ever. That was I, is that what you're talking about, Jamie? When you say well, his his is a little different, but explosion? yes, I, I mean you know he he had a new, new system, you know, so but it was kind of like the 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 best of a, a best case scenario because it was a system that was going to feature him to the level that we hoped he would be featured. That's not going to mm-hmm. change for Jamar Chase, at least unless Zach Taylor just you know uh, again retools his offense after what you know teams tried to do to take away Jamar Chase in the big play uh, in year two. So I don't think he's going to have that big leap in production in year three, but I do think that he still is is trending in the right direction. So he should have a little bit of a bump in numbers um, if things go well. And again, you know, we don't know how much the hip injury, you know, the, the first game back set him back at all, you know, how, how healthy he was in those first few games. But you have a quarterback ascending. You have a, a a coach that's you know proving to be one of the better play callers in the league, and you have a player that was expected to be a superstar playing like a superstar, and he might not be doing it yet with the full capacity of what he's capable of doing. And if that happens, again, huge explosion can mm-hmm. come along with it. Yeah, Jamar Chase is going to average more than twelve yards per catch. There's just that's way too low I for would him. Think. Yeah. Uh, all right, I think we've, we've more or less covered all of this here. Diggs, Hill, and Devontae Adams rounding out the top six. And uh, somebody just, well, we have a wide receiver question in our chat, so let's take a wide receiver question. And the question is about Kadarius Tony. Where do you guys see Kadarius Tony getting drafted in uh, 2023? There's obviously a lot of variables here because we don't know what the Chiefs receiving core is going to look like. Uh, I did the stock up, stock down off the playoffs, you know, and again, we talked about this on, on Monday that he played 20 snaps in those 20 snaps. He had seven targets and a carry and had five catches on the seven targets. He does not know what he's doing yet in this offense. I mean, you know, he has, he has a little bit of an idea, which is why they're playing him a little bit. If he can stay healthy and if there's not a lot of significant talent brought into this receiving core in this off season, you know, let's just, let, let's just play it out. They re-sign one of Juju or Miko Hardman for a minimal deal. MVS stays, and they have that much faith in Kadarius Toney, who was a first-round talent uh, that they got for basically nothing from the Giants. You know, so if he's in that role, could be a superstar, absolute superstar. So I, the way that I, I wrote in the, in the stock up, stock down thing was, depending on what the Chiefs look like, round six is where you'll start to consider him. Right. Um, I, I don't think you want to go much crazier than that. You know, that's kind of where we were drafting Juju this year, around five, round six. You know, so if he's in that lead role, potentially, I think that's safe. Now, if there's nobody brought in and it's, you know, Justin Watson type of guys, you know, not not to slight those type of players, but it's just a, well, you know. Sky Moore is still there. Right. You know, the 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 guys that haven't done anything yet in their careers, then I think you could be a little bit more excited about Kadarius Tony. So maybe around five. But I, I don't think you want to go over the top yet with him. I'm worried that by the time we get to August, we'll be so excited about Kadarius Tony that we will be talking about taking him in round five. For now, I think round seven is a good mindset to have because, I mean, you really outlined it, but you got to remember the downside. Mahomes already said this year it's going to be a different receiver every week. I don't think it's going to suddenly change in 2023 and Tony's going to become a focal point a la Tyreek Hill. I don't think he can get there. We know he's got hamstring issues. And um, the, the one thing that was a, a problem with him in New York, there was talk that he wasn't really as focused on football. That seems to be changing. And so that's a positive in his favor. I, I think round seven is a good time to take a risk on him because most people think back about the players you've taken in round seven. How many of them have helped you absolutely crush your league? Sometimes it does happen. Sometimes it doesn't. The players in round eight and round six – typically just as good. He's worth the upside shot in round seven. If he really did have focus issues in New York, I, I'm glad he got traded to the Chiefs. You know, Me too. Because don't yeah. you think if a player has focus issues, you go to a, you're on a franchise that's been, the I think, the second worst franchise in football over the previous five seasons. 
you can't go to the Chiefs and have focus issues. I mean, they have nothing but credibility, well, right? You could, but then you turn into Sky Moore. Well, I don't know what focus issues mean exactly. I mean, it's pretty vague. And not, I don't even caring know enough, not caring as much as the coaches want you to care. And I'm yeah, not saying yeah. that Sky Moore doesn't care as much, but on the field, Sky Moore definitely had some focus issues. Well, that's different on the field and off the field. I'm just saying, like, right, you yeah. can't, you can't, you you go to the Chiefs. They go to the Super Bowl twice in the last three years. Like, right. they're the best franchise. They have the one of the best players. coaches. They have Mahomes, right? Like, you're going to fall he in went. line. Well, I, I think the thing that happens with certain players, and this is why they, you know, don't last long in the league, the not for long type of guys, is they think their talent is going to overcome any work ethic issues they may have, you know, yeah, and yeah, that happens we, 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 we've had these conversations, not necessarily us, but, you know, people that, that cover the league about Kyler Murray, for example, you know, and, and his dedication and, and, and the clause that was put into his contract about, you know, the study clause. You know, because there was some concerns whether valid or not. You know, and and Kadarius Tony might be that type of player. At least maybe he was. That oh, I am a first round talent. I'm a superstar player. I was coveted at least reportedly by two teams because the Jaguars wanted him. That somebody will will take a chance on me. And even if I fail here, I'll be successful someplace else. Well, now he's been dealt, and and that's already happened once. And so you know, maybe he's opened his eyes a little bit. But yes, being in that type of culture with the Chiefs. Yeah. where the quarterback is not going to – the quarterback will hold you accountable. The coaching staff, I think, top-down will hold you accountable. And it's lack of distractions because clearly being in New York in that area is, is a little bit different than being Kansas City. No. So hopefully all those things factoring in make Kadarius Tony the player that he's capable of being. Oh, yeah. He also went from Joe Judge as his coach to Andy Reid. Well, yeah. Well, he loved Brian Dable. He had, he had an offseason. And, and Dable, off right. Right. So – I don't know. Maybe there was something that Dable also didn't like that they couldn't connect. Like, sure. I don't want to and, speculate and, and, on that. I'm just saying that you know you call, talked about culture. You know you can't you go to the Chiefs. You should fall in line. They know what they're doing, right? I mean they they have a ton of credibility. So I'm I'm happy he ended up there because I I love Kadarius Tony. I want to see and, his and, career and flourish. Just the, the the point about the the hamstring injuries. Yes, it's something to keep in mind. I don't know if this year's hamstring injury was really a hamstring injury. Um, so just, Oh, at we'll, the beginning we'll, of the year. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see how much of that maybe just disappears. Reportedly, he felt like he could come back and the giants just, you know, were either playing it slower or just didn't want him to come back. No, trade him. Okay. Uh, let's take a break. And when we come back, we will, uh, talk about the news and notes, uh, get you updated on some of the things for this weekend and read your emails at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. Oh, Bill O'Brien is the new offensive coordinator for the Patriots. We'll talk about that right after this. Every sport has their big juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. Here are your news and notes from around the NFL. So, the bad news, San Francisco defensive lineman Charles Omenahu arrested on suspicion of misdemeanor domestic violence. Uh, we never want to see that. Don't know what's going to happen with him for this game this weekend. Um, but obviously, more serious situation than football. Christian McCaffrey is dealing with a calf issue. And uh, see, I told you that he was injury prone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll hopefully we'll get an update for tomorrow's show. We'll get a practice report and see how he's doing. But he wasn't really able to finish the game. It was there. Uh, there, there was sarcasm fun on my comment there for those who are listening. Yeah, I, I hope they were able to, it was pretty obvious. I hope so. Just making sure. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to play, but he has a high ankle sprain. Tony Pollard should be ready for training camp. It'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. I mean, if it's Dallas, that's 
that's great. If he goes to another team and he can't do anything until training camp, that might be a, a setback in his quest to be a number one running back, Tony Pollard. Um, let's talk about the Patriots hiring Bill O'Brien to be their offensive coordinator. He was the head coach of the Texans from 2014 to 2019, and then in 2020 he was fired after, I believe, four games. But in those six seasons before that, his team never finished higher than 11th in scoring. They were top six in rush attempts in four of six seasons. They were top 12 in all six. And they only had one season where they were higher than 14th in pass attempts. Um, in one season as Patriots coordinator, they went to the Super Bowl, but they, they, were, uh, they were third in scoring, 17th in rush attempts, third in pass attempts. So completely different than his philosophy, philosophy with Houston. Jamie, your reaction to Bill O'Brien going back to the Patriots as their coordinator? It'd be great for Andre Stevenson if he's the lone guy there, but whoever's the running back group there, you got to feel comfortable about those guys. So uh, Damien Harris, free agent, be interested if they bring them back or what else they do to add to Stevenson. But Stevenson's going to be, he, he was already a top 12 running back for me with the assumption that Harris is gone and this will solidify it if nobody of, of name value is brought in. So he's, he's worth taking as early as round two. Um, I think for Mac Jones, there's a relationship there. Those guys had some time together in Alabama. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, by all accounts, there's expecting a lot of fireworks are expected um, between uh, O'Brien and Mac Jones from how those personalities may clash again. Uh, I don't think it's going to change how you view the Patriots passing game, or at least it shouldn't, you know, until they prove otherwise. So we'll see what this receiving core looks like. Uh, Jacoby Myers is a free agent. If he comes back, I still think he's the best option there. But, you know, uh, Tyquan Thornton is somebody that you want to keep an eye on just in case, you know, he takes that next step and gets a little bit more of an opportunity because he showed some flashes when he got playing time. And, you know, hopefully he's something that can, you know, turn, he could turn into something that could be maybe a number three receiver in fantasy. Dave, is this a big needle mover for you, Bill O'Brien to the Pats? I mean, anything's better than what they had last year. At least now they've got somebody that's got all kinds of experience calling plays on offense and understanding how to manipulate defenses. And so it, it's a plus. Is it a huge plus? Does it make me want to run out and draft Mac Jones? Hell no. Uh, it makes me think that DeAndre Hopkins has 0% chance of landing in New England because those two did not see eye to eye in Houston. I, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to be at the point where I'm really going to be only excited about Stevenson if the Patriots offense doesn't change that much. There's, there's some interest in Tyquan Thornton. And I'm curious what ends up happening with Jacoby Myers. Myers will be a free agent. But it's it's not going to be an offense that will be a, a well of fantasy production. I feel like, well, I, I know it. Now I'm looking at it. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson had a really bad finish to the season. Terrible. Um, he wasn't getting nearly as many targets. He wasn't getting nearly as many carries. He wasn't getting nearly as many anything. He had one big game at the Raiders 19 carries, 172 yards, and a touchdown. Two catches for negative four yards in that game. He did have five catches at and Buffalo in Week 18, so that was nice. But before but was that, he playing hurt? Yeah, I, I guess, but um, I don't know, man. Like it, it just wasn't it wasn't a great finish, and I I just have doubts that he's going to be a three down back. He just doesn't. He never profiled as that. Um, I don't know why they used him that way uh, when they seemed to, to have some options. But you know, if James, if James, if uh, sorry, if uh, Ty Montgomery hadn't gotten hurt, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't have been a three-down back. So that wouldn't shock me at all if they brought in someone to to be the the passing downs back for the New they England. They might already have that guy in Strong. Pierre Strong yeah, has some potential right. to be that guy. Yeah. So I'm just. I know you guys are very high. I get. I get Jamie at least very high on Stevenson, but I could see that. I could see that being. I could see that changing pretty quickly. Based on personnel, I don't know. How do you feel about it? like like? You know what I mean? I just <laughs> okay. I, I just don't. No, I just don't think, be, I don't think he's going to be. I don't think he's going to be a three down back. I'm just going to say that now. I don't. I don't sure, think but that's going to happen. The case for is that Damian Harris takes a walk and Ramondre Stevenson is the lead back to begin the season. So he's at the door of scoring ten plus touchdowns and getting anywhere from eleven to twenty carries a game, depending on how the game script goes. And we know that he's capable of catching passes if he's playing on first and second down. I have a feeling they will be willing to throw to their running back at times on first and second down. The Bengals do it as an example. Patriots could do it too if they wanted to, if that was part of their game plan. And if there was an injury to 
Pierre Strong, Ty Montgomery, Kevin Falk, whoever they get as their third down back, Stevenson has the upside to be a top five fantasy running back because he's been that when he's been an every down player or a majority player for the Patriots. So there's still a ton of upside and a lot of appeal. I think it just makes more sense to look at him as a top 15 type of running back and not a top 10 guy. The last time the Patriots had an offense coordinator, Damian Harris scored 15 touchdowns. Okay, what do you think about the catches? Way of putting it. I don't think his catches are going to crater. I don't. I don't. I. I do think that he's. He's certainly. Whether his profile showed you that or not, and whether Ty Montgomery's injury was the reason or not, he certainly showed that he could do it. And it's not like they. They just showed you he could do it with a three catch game, a four catch game. He was their primary receiver in certain games <laughs> this season. Mac Jones obviously trusts him, and so I can't imagine that uh, Bill O'Brien coming in and and. Bill Belichick, which you've said many a time, Adam, when they have a guy, they use a guy and he's going to be their guy. You know, so is it going to be where Pierre Strong is the next James White or Kevin Falk or Shane Vereen or whoever you want to, you know, put there? Danny Woodhead, maybe. But I don't think that that Ramondre Stevenson is going to be LeGarrette Blunt and he's going to get, you know, 300 carries and and two catches. No, I don't think that's the case. I think we're looking at a guy that has the chance to be a 200 plus carry guy and at least a 30 to 35 catch guy. And I would say that's probably on the low end. So I'm 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 going to buy Ramondre Stevenson if there's no Damian Harris there. Okay, uh, most catches for a Texans running back under Bill O'Brien, forty-one, I think forty-four, maybe Duke Johnson. Yeah, forty-four, Duke Johnson in 2019. And I'm not looking but at that, a lot of that though. Is Deshaun Watson doesn't throw to his running backs? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, they, they had good. That's why they had a lot of rush games. attempts too is because Deshaun Watson would run. I don't even want to get into the most rushing touch. I don't think they had a double-digit rushing touchdown guy in any no, of those No, because they years. had Watson. Yeah. Okay, uh, uh, two more notes. Jacksonville GM Trent Baalke said there's mutual interest between the Jaguars and Evan Ingram for a new contract, and Adam Schefter thinks the Packers would trade Aaron Rodgers but to an AFC team if they did trade him. So that brings us to your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Thanks for sending your emails, everybody. This one is from Kevin. So, Dave... This was an email in response to the conversation that we had about uh, Ken Walker versus Travis Etienne. And you and I both seem to think that physically Ken Walker was more suited to be a lead back than Etienne. But uh, Kevin says... Um, well, it's it's not just about their actual size. It's about how they play and how they push piles and how physical they are in general. Right. He says Etienne's weight is actually listed above Walker by a few pounds, but he's one inch taller, so his BMI is a bit lower. Uh, this and that. And when McCaffrey and Eckler are demonstrating that smaller backs can be quite potent at the goal line, why do we still lean so heavily on trying to assign workload projections based on RB size or what we think their size is? Because well, so, a lot of coaches do. It's now, just, whether or not Jacksonville decides what was, what to, to not here? No, I just I think we sort of felt like Ken and Walker yeah, was more suited to be a true workhorse running back than Travis Etienne. I know Etienne looks pretty good to me. He does, but yeah, I thought they would use him more like Kamara coming out, right? I thought he'd be, or like Eckler, you know. I didn't think he'd be running twenty times a game. Um, you thought it would be more like thirteen, fourteen carries and five, six catches, right? Exactly. That's what I thought too, and that could still happen. Like that's the wonderful thing about. I think that would be the case if it was a different coach. Say what? Maybe. I think that would be the case if it's a different coach. Doug Peterson Maybe. doesn't usually do that. Yeah. Maybe. Well, he had a different coach when he came out of college. So, right. <laughs> uh, that yeah. coach didn't know what he was doing. All right. Anyway, I don't know if Davey wanted to say anything to Kevin's email. This was here. at the bar in Columbus. Uh, no, I don't know if there's anything else that we really need to say. If you if you watch these guys play, Walker is the more physical, more like he's definitely more physical than ETN. It doesn't mean that he's going to score three more touchdowns and have a better yak after contact type deal, but. They're both going to be good for fantasy. I don't think, I, I think I'm still taking Walker ahead of ETN, probably a full round ahead, if not a round and a half. Whoa. That's, yeah. whoa. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I've got Walker as a first round pick. Um. All right. From Joey, 12 team dynasty, full PPR league. Would you trade the sec- the third pick of round two, pick 203? For Gabe Davis, I also have pick one eleven in the first round. So, would you trade two hundred three for Gabe Davis in a PPR league? 
Uh, are you a competing team? Uh-huh. Well, 203 would suggest probably not. So 111 uh, would suggest yes, though. So I don't know. I think if you that. feel like <laughs> your, your first round pick and Gabe Davis puts you in contention, then yes. Because we know what typically second round picks are. It's a 12 team league. Yep. So 15th best rookie. Is that a difference maker? You know, so. You could obviously go back and 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 check how drafts have gone. Like this year, you might have gotten Damian Pierce at that spot. So that's sure. you know something you want to consider. Algier, uh, Tyler Algier. You know those 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 two backs, for example. Um, but for the most part, you're not getting a difference making type of player. Now, is Gabe Davis ever going to be a difference making type of player? And so I would probably pass and just take my chances with the rookie there. But if you feel like you're a piece away, then you know see what see what it is. If he could be a good third receiver for you as. As we illustrated on Monday, as Adam made the case for, you know, pre-elbow injury, take away the foot injury, minus the yeah. square root of the, the sun, um, <laughs> and have some good, good moments. <laughs> He's still 24 years old. I'm taking Davis. All right, this is from Matt Moran. Would you trade the seventh overall pick straight up for George Pickens? I do believe this is a dynasty league, so this would be a rookie pick. I yes. need to rehaul my running backs. If I have, I have Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Leonard Fournette. I also have the second overall pick that I want to use on a running back. So, so he takes a running back at, at two overall. Would you then trade set the seventh pick for George Pickens? I would. I don't have a great grip on what type of player slash receiver would be there at one oh seven. The only thing I saw, and I haven't really done my homework on, on this class either, but I did see Daniel Jeremiah, who I respect, uh, say that the top receiver in this class compares to Jahan Dotson, who he had ranked sixth last year. So, mm. you know, you're, you're, you're again, you're like, he said, he said the class is good, but the top of the class is not as good. So, you know, once you take away a couple of running backs and now you're looking at maybe the, the third or fourth best receiver there, is that the same as getting a guy who may have been in the top three had he not had some off-field concerns. You know, so I think what George Pickens showed in the sample size that he gave you as a rookie, for me, I would take the chance on that. The uh, problem with this class is that so, we were going to have two superstars, and they both had bad years at wide receiver. Yep. Uh, Kayshaun so, Booty and uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Go ahead. And I still think Smith and the Jigba can be good, and I've done my homework on him. I like him. But they, there's also Jordan Addison in this class. He was outstanding at Pitt. Uh, Jalen Hyatt has had some great moments at Tennessee this past year. Quentin Johnston is someone that my son put in front of me. Those are four receivers right there. That are, are they on par with with George Pickens? Maybe. I mean, Pickens has superstar potential. Okay, these, a couple of these guys might too. Um, I don't this know is if from, I'm ready to say that I'd, if I'd give up seven for Pickens, and I love Pickens. This is from Luke H. This is a hypothetical question, but if a fantasy league added fullbacks as a roster spot, who would be the first couple of fullbacks drafted, and what rounds would they be taken in? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why we, would you we, ask this if it's hypothetical? What What are we ranking them on? Their blocking potential? Oh, my or gosh. Their it's, it's fantasy points. Kyle Juszczyk? I mean, Juszczyk would be one. Would be, probably be one. Let's Patrick see Ricard. how many points Kyle Ricard barely catches the ball. He's just an extra lineman out there. Alec Ingold. Kyle you might, get, scored, you might get a dozen catches out of him. Kyle Yusek scored 56 points. So he scored about three yeah, points the per game. The answer is ignore fullbacks <laughs> in fantasy, just as it's been for the past 200 million years of <laughs> Earth's existence. But he does give you his, I think Yushik probably gives you a pretty decent edge on the rest of the field. So yes, he'd be Travis Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. You take him in round one. I take him number two overall then, uh, behind Kelsey. This comes from Sahid in Houston. Who is a better keeper in half PPR, Ramondre Stevenson in round five or Christian Kirk in round seven? Ramondre. 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 Razor Ramondre. Dave, what do you think about that team name? Hey, hey, yo. <laughs> I don't remember what it, him talking. I don't remember what he sounded like. I just remember the toothpick. Well, Razor had the 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 fake accent because he was trying to act like uh, uh, the main from Scarface, from Pacino, basically. Oh, I didn't realize that. And then you know Sky, Scott Hall 
ditch the accent as soon as he became Scott Hall. But if we're going off of Razor Ramon, then you need the accent, you need the toothpick, you need a lot of gold chains. <laughs> you can't do the whole survey says bit. And uh, you'll never be the world champion. Oh. You'll only be an intercontinental champion. Okay, thanks, dudes. Tomorrow, Heath and Jamie on with me to talk about uh, the top six tight ends and take a preview, take a look at the weekend ahead. Will we get Heath to pick against the Chiefs? Obviously, they are going to lose to the Bengals. Oh, now let me bring this up. Jamie, you did not pick the Bengals to go to the Super Bowl, did you? No, but I, after Mahomes got hurt and the Bengals being the Bills. Yeah, but what's up with your playoff challenge lineup? Because you went, you went Bengals... Niners the entire time. I did go Bengals Niners the entire time because I thought what would be the most uh, successful second game. I thought that the Bengals would put up points in week two. Yeah. And so I thought that uh, if they got past the Bills, then they would beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Well, you screwed me because that was my thing. So How did I screw you because I also went Bengals Niners, but I'm the one who actually picked the Bengals to. Win those games. Do we have the same point total? No, you're beating me with a better version of Bengals and Niners than I have. So, <laughs> so that's disappointing. Well, who did you use? Probably T. Higgins. He's been he's been bad. Um, so use Higgins instead of one of the Niners guys. Probably. So I think I went I went I went Chase and Debo. I think I went Chase and Higgins. I think. Yeah. Uh, you both did better than me. I went all Bills. Yeah, that's what Jamie should have done. All right, see you later, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.